the field of human conflict, but so much owed by so many to so few. to UF Radio at Studentradio 98.9. This is our fourth program of the semester and today's episode is a collaboration between us and the debate club. Uh, so we will be broadcasting a debate and I am here with Earl, head of debate club. So can you tell us a bit more about uh, debate club? Hi Kristen, thank you so much for having us here today. Um, so the debate club is part of the UF Uppsala Association. Of foreign affairs and basically what we do is we focus on having engaging and interactive debates on matters and issues of you know international relations you know geopolitics and and, and foreign affairs and we, we we usually do this like every week and we engage on different topics that range from you know sweden related or sweden involved engaged um, issues or just stuff on on the world stage but we always try to make sure that we map with what's happening in the world at the current moment so yeah that's in a nutshell that's what we do nice so could you tell us about today's subject uh, okay so today I, th- i thought it would be really interesting to have a chat on sort of sweden's place and position in the world at the current moment and we know there's a lot that's happening in terms of geopolitics and there's a lot of big strides that Sweden is taking as well and so today we'll be debating um, a topic that's titled that this house believes that diplomatic efforts rather than military alliances should be the primary means Sweden to address Sweden uses to address the perceived threat from Russia and safeguard its national security yeah so that's that's what we're going to be talking about today that's a very interesting and very like uh, hot subject yeah uh, i'm really looking forward to it and you will be doing it by getting divided into two teams right yes that's correct so we will be in two different teams um, one is known as the proposition so we will be arguing for the topic um, and then the other team will be arguing against the topic so basically you know why they think you know the reverse in essence and we've broken down into yeah three sections so to nice. say so like an introduction like a middle and then like a conclusion of the whole topic topic yeah super and we will have you and Annie so Earl and Annie on one team and we will have Sanad and Anton on the other team as the opposition that's correct uh, so we're really looking forward to this and yeah i think we'll go for a music break right now so we will listen to Blixten by Lina Selby So that was Blixten by Lina Selleby. And we are back in the studio with me, Kerstin, and two guests from the debate club, Earl and Anton. 
So we will start this uh, radio debate with Earl, who is going to argue for the belief that diplomatic efforts rather than military alliances should be the means for Sweden to address Russia and safeguard its national security. And we will also hear uh, Anton's uh, comments on this. So please, Earl, go ahead. All right. Thank you very much. And hello to everyone who's listening. Today's topic, this House believes that diplomatic efforts rather than military alliances should be the primary means Sweden uses to address this perceived threat from Russia and safeguard its national security needs a lot of unpacking, but we'll do it um, as the proposition was the, the team that is for this topic will do it in two ways. Firstly, I, as the leader of the team, am going to be talking about Sweden's history when it comes to diplomacy and how that is at stake and what that means for the global stage if that is taken away. And so in the second part of this conversation, we're going to be talking about, you know, why the, the issue or the idea that Sweden is joining NATO is very, very problematic for the global stage. Um, and Annie is going to be doing that. Okay, getting into it, I think we need to know and understand that Sweden's history and diplomacy has been set on looking for diplomatic means and ways to sort of have conversations that allow people to come to the table and iron out their issues. Um, I'm going to, you know, look at examples like, for example, an individual like Doug Hammarholt for example, was the second uh, UN Secretary General from Sweden. And he was, you know, is known and credited to be one of the founding, you know, fathers of the United Nations as an organization as we know it today in the terms of, you know, how its policy is set out and how it operates and how it structures. And so what that did was it positioned Sweden to be a player in global diplomacy and that field doesn't have a lot of nations or a lot of people that are in that space and so we find it really problematic where now if you start removing people from that space and you're putting them into warring factions and I know Anton's looking at me and is already going you know when you start putting them into different warring factions you have a world that is split in so many different ways and so many different factions and you won't have anyone who's there and saying okay look we need to have people that are advocating for peaceful measures and ways to resolve conflict rather than have people coming in and just, you know, beating each other up or shooting each other, um, you know, with guns. And, you know, so this non-alignment stance that Sweden has taken has been has been beneficial to the nation, has been beneficial to the country. Um, and, I mean, even if you look at the current conflict, you know, that's happening between, you know, in, in, in with Russia and Ukraine, you also saw that, you know, way back, you know, in time, there was, there was a time when Sweden was actually also involved in relations where they were selling, you know, weapons to everyone and anyone, you know, and there was so much trade and, and stuff that was going on. And there was, there is no, you know, conflict, you know, the conflict is perceived. And there is no, what could you say, there is no current threat that was directed towards Sweden. And so the, the need, therefore, for them to then start saying, okay, no, look, we need to start ramping up our military because we might be in trouble and, you know, they might, this might happen or Russia might decide to act like this. Russia has no motive. They have no directed motive right now to be attacking, um, you know, Sweden, for example. Um, I don't know, Anton, if you've got something, if you've got something as I go on. And so with everyone taking aside, you know, as the proposition, what we're doing and then saying is that, listen, we need to move to a space where people actively seek diplomacy as opposed to military ways of, of solving issues. Otherwise, we'll all be fighting and the world will be blown up. Thank you. After the break, we will hear Anton about uh, why we should... Uh, join the military alliances. So see you after the break. 
That was Fairlies by Brian Chatten. And we are back here in the studio with me, Shashtin, from Radio UF and our guests from the debate club. We have just heard uh, Earl and his main arguments for the use of diplomatic efforts rather than military alliances as Sweden addresses the situation with Russia. And we will now jump straight into Anton's opposition. So please, Anton, go ahead. So the case for the opposition... Despite all the words uttered by Earl, his case, the case of the proposition is fundamentally naive. So I will showcase this by attacking him through two main lines. One is necessity and one is a cost-benefit analysis. So for the first thing, the, the first thing a state must ensure is its own survival. That is the uh, law of uh, all states. And what is what is... Um, the way to secure Sweden's survival. Right now, it is to join a military alliance. Right now, our position in the world is dangerous, and the world itself is dangerous. We have an aggressive neighbor, which has shown repeatedly that it is capable of attacking more or less unprovoked. And despite what Earl was saying about Russia having no motive against us, we can see that in the in the build-up to the invasion in 2022, There was a lot of saber-rattling, and that is what Russia is doing towards us right now. It is saber-rattling, it is posturing, it is talking aggressively, and that can lead to a very a very dangerous position, which we can find ourselves without allies. So that is why Sweden is currently joining NATO, and my colleague will eventually get into some of the more practicalities of that. But I will say, this is the necessity. Ukraine shows the necessity of, of joining NATO right now. Ukraine is the case study that has woken up all of Europe and that shows that this is the way to secure survival. It is to be in NATO before something happens to you. Um, sorry, very quickly. Would you say that the posturing that Russia was doing, was that ba- was that not based on the premise of Sweden joining NATO? No, Russia was posturing because of its own reasons, which only it and the man in charge Putin can predict, not because of any practical things. So we have to understand that autocrats work in their own ways. So two, the cost-benefit analysis. Um, Sweden's neutrality, unlike what Earl has said, is not a benefit to Sweden. It has never been. It's undermined us all the way out through history and modern history. It meant that Nazis in Second in the Second World War could pressure us, could make us cave into their demands because there was no one backing us up. That is the danger of being without alliances. And two, even the so, so-called beneficial examples that Earl and, and his comrades will bring up, such as Dag Hammarskjöld and maybe more prominently Olof Palme, which very uh, notably uh, protested the Vietnam War, that led nowhere. That was empty words slinged out in a diplomatic attempt. But what actually ended the Vietnam conflict and all conflicts like it was force of arms that the Viet Cong, for example, forced the invaders out. And that is the lesson that should be learned for Sweden. And repeatedly we have seen this throughout history, right? So it is Vietnam, it is Ukraine, it is all of these invasions which show that they can only be resolved through force of arms. And it would be naive, as is the proposition's case, to suggest that diplomatic should be a primary effort. Diplomacy is always an auxiliary measure. It is always what you do um, to aid um, and to ease, but not what you do to secure your own survival. So a military alliance is Sweden's survival. Thank you, Anton, for that. A very heated and interesting debate. And we will jump uh, straight into the music uh, pause. And afterwards, we will hear Sanad and Annie also debate the subject.
Welcome back to Radio UF with me, Kerstin, at Student Radio 98.9. And that was We Make Hits by uh, Yard Act. And now we will hear Annie, who will be speaking for the use of diplomatic efforts rather than military alliances. So please, Annie, go ahead. Okay, last we heard Anton speak uh, about cost and benefits. And I would like to speak about what benefits we have gotten from uh, trying to join NATO. And I can't see any benefits at all, actually. Russia said that if Sweden tries to join NATO, we don't like Sweden. Uh, And that's exactly what we did. We Before... Russia wasn't a threat uh, to Sweden, but we made Russia a threat to Sweden. So we made Russia not happy with us. Um, So that's very stupid of us. Furthermore, what happened when we joined NATO? We got in a lot of trouble with Turkey, for example. Uh, So we said no to a dictator like uh, Russia, and then we just bent down to a dictator in Turkey. When you join NATO, you're supposed to get protection, but you're supposed to protect everyone else. What if you don't want to engage in another war? Like, there are 30 countries in NATO, and if someone attacks, I don't know, Slovenia, maybe you don't want to help Slovenia by sending your own... uh, people to Slovenia. You want to protect your own people, as you said, but you're thinking wrong. Um, And we don't need NATO to protect ourselves. Uh, We have allies, we have our own military, who would, for example, Norway and Finland, they would help us if Russia had attacked us, but Russia don't really have any motives to attack us. They attacked Uh, Ukraine, for cultural reasons, they don't really have that same connection to Sweden, and Sweden wouldn't be any benefic- in any beneficial uh, geographical position for them. Uh, and also, you talked about the thing like being neutral hasn't been beneficial to Sweden over time. And you talked about, oh, the Nazi thing. <laughs> and I would say, if we were uh, not neutral in uh, World War Two, then a lot of us wouldn't be here today. To summarize, I would say NATO is a big ally thing. And uh, if we join that, we have to take their values, we have to take their stance. We get so much more consequences by joining NATO than being uh, outside NATO and thinking for ourselves. So thank you, Annie, for that. Uh, And uh, after the break, we will be hearing Sanad, who will be talking about why we should join the military alliance instead. So that was Sadness as a Gift by Adrian Lenker. And you are listening to Radio UF with me, Kerstin, and our guests from the debate club. And we have heard a debate about the use of diplomatic efforts rather than military alliances as Sweden addresses the situation with Russia. 
And right now we will hear Sanad and his argument on why we should use diplomatic efforts. Hello everyone. The first uh, speaker was saying that Russia isn't likely to attack Sweden. But I think it's not a very good idea. It's not a very good idea. You need to, um, the dictators don't attack um, on some issues because they are, their activities are malicious and sometimes they do things on the basis of their whims and only to uh, protect their regime. So it would be very naive of us to think that Russia would not attack. I think the authorities in Sweden and all the leaders of Sweden have come to a consensus that uh, they should join NATO only because of the fact that they have been alarmed after so many days of neutrality. Now, first, I want to bring three points here. Uh, so first, we have to think of the ideological, political point, political ideology and uh, ethical ideology of Sweden. Sweden is aligned with the Western world, that is the democratic world. So it would be very much uh, childish to think that Sweden will good, develop good relationships with it, those who are not aligned with the ideology, that is democratic ideology. Yes, uh, Russia had a, a motive for attacking Ukraine and they stated it very clearly and they had repeatedly uh, since 2011 that if Ukraine moves more towards West and uh, America is suggesting to put um, military bases in Ukraine, they will attack. Yes, uh, it was predicted that Russia would Ukraine, uh, Russia would attack Ukraine, but uh, you can say that they would not attack Sweden because the uh, Putin or dictators like them should prove that there is significant, important to be in power. So they can do anything only to make them important in power. So that's the question. So let's uh, move to the next point that uh, uh, Sweden is ideologically different from those uh, from those dictators uh, from China from Russia. Yes, it is quite okay to keep good relationships with them uh, in terms of diplomatic efforts, but not without a military alliance. There comes the question of immediacy. Yes, if you want to develop a diplomatic efforts and want to spread your influence, it will take time. It will take years, decades and, uh, and centuries. But immediately, what we need to do is to get a military alliance so that it is ensured that it is not attacked. And if it is attacked, there are still um, adequate forces in our favor. So we shouldn't be childish, we should be naive of it. And that's why Finland and Sweden are in the efforts to join NATO. The next thing is, I want to bring an international examples uh, in this regards. Japan is a very neutral country. It doesn't uh, form. Uh, it doesn't form um, nuclear bases. Nuclear base there. But still today, Japan has strong military ties with the Western world, especially with the USA. South Korea has strong military uh, alliances with uh, the US because South Korea, Korea has already given uh, room to the USA to build their military base because they are threatened by North Korea and China. So that's the lesson Sweden should learn uh, that uh, they, um, they may be attacked anytime. And that's why South Korea is not attacked by their neighbor North Korea, the um, um, dictator, and, the, and um, China. So that's the um, lesson Sweden must learn. 
we are not in against the diplomatic efforts. The diplomatic efforts are always are always there and should be there. But they should be they shouldn't be the primary choice. The primary choice should be military alliance. If we have military alliances, then diplomatic choices, diplomatic efforts would be the would help us to form a form a good basis in the world to ensure our security. Alliance with NATO doesn't mean that Sweden is going into war with anyone. It simply means that Sweden is just ensuring its security. Then diplomatic efforts will make the peace and keep the peace. So thank you so much, Sanad, for that. Uh, and now we will go straight to the music break where we will listen to Silver Girl by Field Medic. So welcome back to Radio UF with me, Shastin, and our guests from the debate club. We've had a fantastic, dynamic and very interesting debate. And we will now hear Earl close the debate. Please, Earl, go ahead. All right. Thank you very much. I think the opposition did a serious disservice and injustice to this topic today. You know, they sort of boiled it down to two things, necessity and immediacy. And the fact that, you know, it's necessary that people join these military alliances. Sweden has to join it because, you know, it'll serve as a deterrent to Russia. And we as a proposition are saying, you know, firstly, on deterrence itself, there is no there is no just justification to the fact that it will act, you know, as a deterrent, you know. And I think Sanaa talked about how dictators act irrationally, and I totally disagree. Dictators act very rationally in the sense that they are working in self-serving interests. They know exactly what they want, and they want to get certain things out of it. And in that selfish serving self-serving interest, I don't think you know Vladimir Putin has got anything from Sweden that will serve his interests. And so that that threat, that perceived threat, as the topic talks about, I feel, you know, does does, does not exist in that in that in that context. And the idea of immediacy as well. So, um, Sanad talks a lot about this immediacy that it will take time um, to get diplomacy going and to have conversations. And we need to have some military backing right now. I think we we're forgetting where Sweden is and who surrounds Sweden. Okay, Sweden has been perfectly fine in in, in and around countries like Norway, Denmark. Um, Germany or whoever it is, you know, we already are aligned to so many different other groups, you know, exacerbating that military alliance to, you know, to joining an organization like NATO, for example, doesn't, you know, serve our interests as well. What we do well as a country is getting into diplomatic talks. And I like how Anton comes and brings in, you know, guys and individuals like Olaf Palmer, because their mandate and their conversation was in as much as he was also part of, you know, this this issue with the Vietnam War was their their mandate was that we should be able to we should be able to have um a discussion. Go Anton. Then you mentioned all the countries around us. Then why have they all joined the alliance? Then why has Finland and Norway and all of our neighbors they have all joined NATO? Okay. Why? Um with with regards to Finland, Finland can easily, you know, come and say, okay, listen, I neighbor Russia. So when it comes to an idea of an expansion, then that might happen. But then I feel like, you know, that that then also just does a, a disservice to why Sweden or, you know, why a country like Norway would then do that. It's almost like you're, you're courting danger. You're asking for this. Um, you know, and so you, Anton, came and you talked about how diplomacy is an auxiliary measure. And this is problematic in this whole debate and in just geopolitics as a whole. And this is why I feel 
so many people and so many leaders are getting it wrong. We want to use diplomacy as a last resort when it should be the first port of call. This is the first thing we should look at before we say, okay, this, we've tried diplomacy, we've tried to talk, we've tried to have a conversation, but that has failed. So now we're going to look at other things. And so this cost-benefit analysis at the end doesn't, doesn't work. And in essence, the opposition's whole case then, you know, does not stand in that regard. And that's why we as a proposition are looking at it and saying, oh, listen, Sweden has got a history in diplomacy. Let's push that diplomacy. Um, joining NATO and, you know, ascribing to all these military alliances and trying to is courting danger is actually going to do more harm than good. The opposition wants you to be in that position where they believe otherwise. Thank you. Thank you so much, Earl, for those closing arguments. We will be back after the break. Uh, so right now we will listen to Simmer by Mayako. So welcome back to Radio UF with me, Shastin, and the guests from Debate Club. Uh, and uh, we have heard Earl present his closing uh, arguments. And now we will hear Anton's response. To begin where Earl left off... Um... Yes, diplomacy is an auxiliary measure because the first thing you must ensure as a state or as a person or as a family or as any living organism is survival. And then comes the talking and then comes the niceties and all other things. But survival is always first. And unfortunately, this kind of naivete is what has painted the whole proposition case all throughout the debate. Just kind of blind acceptance and and negation of any kind of reality. So I think an interesting thing that Earl said was that dictators do have some sort of self-interest, some sort of calculation. True. I mean, they do to some extent. And let's compare some cases, right? Ukraine was invaded. It has a Russian population. That's why there was motive for uh, Putin and so on and had a fairly weak military. So do the Baltic countries, right? They also have a Russian population, significant Russian minority. They have weak, they have weak militaries. But they were not invaded. And why? Because they are all in NATO. That's the only difference between those countries. It could have just as easily been uh, Lithuania being invaded, but it's not. So the proposition throughout this whole debate has had an enormous burden to prove. They have had to show pretty much everyone in the world wrong, right? Every Swedish politician is on board with NATO, basically, 90% or thereabouts. Most countries are on board with some kind of military alliances. We see this with NATO. We see this with somewhat with, say, things like BRICS or the Arab Union and so forth. We all states see the necessities on some kind of alliance on some kind of basis. But don't you think that this joining these military alliances is what is adding to the disability that we're currently experiencing right now? The fact that Ukraine was threatening to join NATO is one of the biggest reasons why Russia was standing up and making noise about it. Unfortunately, again, this is just naivete. I mean, dictators like Putin exist, and we have to orient ourselves around non-democratic countries, which do exist. If all countries were democratic, sure, there would be no need for any military alliances. We'd hold hands and sing Kumbaya. That's not the case. So, um, responding to a previous speaker on, on the proposition side, to Annie, every worthwhile effort is hard, right? She spoke about the difficulties of joining NATO. Of course, there are difficulties. Of course, talking with other people, of course, trying to enter this alliance is difficult. Every worthwhile effort is difficult. But simply stating it as such is not the case enough, right? It is worth it at the end. Talking with uh, Erdogan, coming to terms with other people who can protect, it, protect us in the end, who can guarantee our survival in the end, 
yes, those things are worth it. So the the kind of central point throughout this whole debate is that um, we are alone in the world, essentially. Sweden is a f- very small, weak country. And through joining NATO, we become equals with a lot of people. We become equals with a lot of countries who now see us as a part of a proper prestigious military alliance who they can talk with, who they can defend, and who we promise to do the same to them, right? And the the other the other way to go about it would be for us to remain as in Europe right now, pretty much the single country not to be part of NATO. We would be a single so-called neutral nation, which I've discussed and which has given us very little to no benefit. We would be going against the grain of the whole world. Now, that is not worth it. Thank you, Anton, for those closing remarks. We will be back after the music. So we're back in the studio, uh, Radio UF with me, Shastin, and our guests from the debate club. And that finishes up our debate. And we're very happy to have had Anton, Annie, Earl and Sanad here today to talk about the joining of NATO. And we've heard the different sides talk about the difficulties of joining NATO, the survival of the Swedish nation uh, and the previous neutrality of Sweden and uh, the Swedish history of diplomacy. So... Earl, was this very different from a normal debate? Um, quite. <laughs> I think it's one of one of the biggest things was the issue of time, you know, because we usually in a debate would speak for about seven minutes, um, and we we sort of like randomly assign because I know people are like, oh, you know, how do you how do you choose which which side you want to defend? We we randomly assign you know people what position to take, and so the views expressed in in this debate, the views expressed in this debate, are, <laughs> you know, are not necessarily of you know. Of, of an individual, you might be asked to take a position that you totally disagree with. But in debate, we're teaching this idea that you should be able to switch and understand the perspective from from someone else's view. And that's that's how you learn to be a better speaker, a better individual. And yeah, just understanding other people's views. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's very nice to hear. And... <laughs> Also, I was wondering what happens next in Debate Club. Um, so for those that will be interested in joining the Debate Club, uh, we meet every Thursdays um, at Economicum. So that's at B159 usually. That's downstairs in the bunker, quite close to Student Radion, actually. And yeah, we, we tend to meet. We have different topics every single week. Um, we've got a few activities lined up. Um, so we do hope people will be very interested in coming in. And you don't need to have debate experience to, to come. Um, and we sort of teach it along the way. A lot of people have come for their first time and they've stayed for quite a while. So yeah, it's there's there's a lot coming. Just come come and find out. <laughs> Super. Uh, so once again, we're so happy to have you guys here from the debate club. This really was an amazing episode with a very heated debate and a very like hot topic. Uh, so for the radio, the next episode will be about Cyprus and we will have Laura and a guest from the travel group. I think it is Simon Davidson who will be joining us for the discussion on Cyprus. Uh, so we will see you next week. Uh, don't forget to tune in at 5 to 6 o'clock on Monday at Student Radio 98.9. So bye. Bye.